Jesus isn't just the, the author of your faith, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He starts it and he'll bring it to completion. He brought about a purpose. Think about this, he promised in the Garden of Eden that Jesus would come. At the very beginning, he promised the end. Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Trust looks like obedience. When he calls you to do something, you can trust him. Be obedient. Come on. He is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. He, he, he is in control. He is who he says he is. Hope comes. Come on. When Jesus enters into your story. This is Sozo Church. This morning, I, I just want to make a few simple observations. Not going not gonna to preach a super long time, but my goal is really, honestly, this, is to entice you to study some things out in these genealogies. As you're, as you're taking some time in the, the Christmas season, everything's pulling you in, in 40 different directions. I wanna kinda leave a little breadcrumb trail to try to entice you to, to go down the nerd trail for a little bit and study out some of these genealogies, to look back into the Old Testament and find out who these people are because honestly, we can kinda just forget that they're real people. We can just kind of read over the names, like, oh, that's a nice list of really weird names. Those parents were really mean to their kids. But, you know, that they, they, you know, they just don't seem like real people. But, but there's truths hidden not only in, in, in their inclusion in this list, but in their life in general. So I just want to make three simple, because I'm a preacher, three simple observations specifically about Jesus that we can find out just from this genealogy. Looking at the names on this genealogy, the first thing I can tell you is that, that God will use anybody even if they're a nobody. God will use anybody even if they're a nobody. The people in this list, I'm just being honest, some of them had great and powerful promises. Some of the people in this list knew because God had told them that they would be used and that God would bring about the Messiah in their line. But the problem is even the people who had promises had some major problems and some serious pollution in their life. They were jacked to people. If you think that this list is like the list of perfect, wonderful people, I got news for you. This list is not a list of wonderful, perfect people. This list of family members, I love you, is just like your list of family members. If you don't know that you have a weird family member, you probably are the weird family member. <laughs> like, no, everybody in my family is totally normal. Really. I'm sorry for your family. I come from a very large Irish Catholic family, um, and uh, <laughs> we have large family reunions every year. And my wife and I have now been married for 17 years. I kept her away from our family reunions for 14 years. No joke, 14 years I kept her away from our family reunions. We finally, we, we just moved back here and we, we decided we're gonna go to a family reunion. She's like, we, we should go, it's right here, it's at the family property up north, we're gonna go. I'm like, baby, we really don't wanna go. She insisted, so I, I relented and we went. As we were leaving, I said, so, so what do you think? She said, baby, when you, when you used to tell stories about your family reunion, I thought you were just being funny. I said, what do you think now? And she said, I think you were being nice. 
I got a weird family. We all have weird families. And, and, and Jesus here does not choose for himself a family that is perfect and, and has no problems and is totally pure, but rather he, he picks people, come on, that are either nobodies or some jacked up people. Even the people that you think, if you just think about the flannel graph Sunday school version of them, you think are great people, they're really not. You don't even have to get very far. It goes Jacob, or Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, really Jacob. See, people think Jacob's this great dude, but if you know Jacob the way I know Jacob, Jacob gives me great hope. Because Jacob is, oh, Jacob would be the dude at the family reunion that you'd be like, don't put him at my table because I can't guarantee that I'll act like a Christian if you put him at my table. Jacob come on, took advantage of his brother, lied to his blind, dying father. He stole from his in-laws. He, he accidentally married two women. Hello. <laughs> he, he's just a jacked up dude. And, and Jesus goes, I'll put him in my family. He, he can be in my family. I'll use him. Get a little bit further, and the one of the, probably the sh- most shocking one of all of them in the list for me is, is you get down to Judah. And if, you, if you're a, a somewhat familiar with, with the, the Old Testament, you know Judah is a, is a word that literally means praise. And it says, Judah had a son, Perez. I'm like, oh, that's, that's so pretty. He had a son, Perez. That's great. I hope they were happy. Here's the problem. Perez is, is Judah's son. Perez's mom, Judah thought he was sleeping with a prostitute, but oh, 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 no, I'm not so cool. He wasn't a prostitute. It was his daughter-in-law. She tricked him so that she could have a son, and Judah actually says she was righteous in doing so. Look it up. It's a crazy story. It's like in the middle of Genesis, you're like trugging along in Genesis, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what? Hold on, huh? <laughs> it's, 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 it's truly just an absolutely mind-blowing story. And, and so God is not interested, hear me please, in your perfection. He does not need you to be perfect in order for you to be qualified for him to use you in his purposes. Come on, these people were used by God to bring about Jesus into the world. If they can be used to do it, listen to me, you can be used to do it. Because, because they, they had problems, come on, they had pollution. But when Jesus came, he brought the missing piece. He brought the missing thing and his purity trumped their pollution. Jesus being born into their family defined their family more than their mess ups defined their family. Come on, Jesus entering into your life, Jesus taking control of your days, Jesus taking control of your life trumps all the things that came in the past. Something new and something alive and something active and hope comes, come on, when Jesus enters into your story. He'll use anybody even if they're a nobody. You don't have to be somebody. Another random thing in this list. This list, very oddly in the time, for the time, includes women and includes Gentiles. Gentiles, for those of you unfamiliar with Bible, churchy language, Gentiles were anybody that was not a part of the people of God in the Old Testament. Just kind of a, a, a junk drawer catch-all for all other nations. They were not included, according to the Old Testament, in the promises of God, and yet here they are. Come on. In the list. So even if you're not in the club, come on, even if you've never been a part of the church, even if you've never been around Christians, you know nothing about the Bible, I'm reading off these names and you're just confused. Come on, you can be used, even if you're a nobody, even if you think you're a somebody, you can still, come on, be used by God. That's some of the genealogy, but they're boring. <laughs> Second thing we see as we look through this, he, Matthew points out there's perfect time 
timing between these generations to prepare for Jesus. What that tells me is that yes, he's, he'll use anybody, but it also tells me that he is fully in control. Come on, he is fully in control. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God is not wondering how he's gonna fix everything that's gone wrong in the world or wrong in your life. He is fully in control. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He is working it out. Nothing has caught him off guard and he will work all things. The Bible tells us for your good according to his purposes. Nobody's excited about that. Apparently you aren't going through the same stuff that I'm going through because I gotta be honest, when I look at my life sometimes I think, Things have gone so sideways in some areas of my life. There have been seasons of my life that I thought I was done. I, I, I remember getting laid off from a job and just kind of going, okay, this is it, I'm done. I don't, know how, I don't know how things are gonna work out. I don't know how things are gonna come in alignment. I remember my wife, the beautiful, amazing, anointed woman of God that she is, looks at me and she says, baby, Jesus is taking care of us every day for our entire marriage, and you are far less sinful than you were when we first got married. He has no good reason to stop providing for us now. Come on, it's, it, it, it's not a matter of us being in control, it's a matter of him being in control. You see, sin in the garden, the original sin was man substituting himself in the place of God. Jesus comes and says, you know what? I'm gonna do the opposite of sin. God, come on, is gonna insert himself in the place of man, and even though it seems like everything's out of control, he's gonna step in, and his entry into the story of man brings about the fulfillment of his purpose in the earth. Do you think that any of these people understood the big picture in the middle of their storms? Do you think, it's, do you think as Tamar was, was having to trick her father-in-law, she was thinking, man, this is gonna bring about the glory of God. I'll go be a prostitute just for my father-in-law. This is the weirdest story ever. The, the Bible's really boring, though. No, the Bible is full of amazing accounts of people thinking they could screw everything up so fully that there was no hope for them, and God's still in the midst of all of it, bringing about hope and fulfillment. He is fully in control. I refuse to believe that we serve a God that has to fix problems that we make that he was unaware of. I believe we serve a God who is fully and completely and totally in control. Come on, somebody. He is in control, he is working, and he is moving, and he is preparing the fulfillment of his plan and his purposes. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus isn't just the, the author of your faith, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He starts it and he'll bring it to completion. He brought about a purpose. Think about this, he promised in the Garden of Eden that Jesus would come. At the very beginning, he promised the end. He promised it, and he was in control, bringing it about to fulfillment. He never lost control. He never was out of control. He was always fully in control. How many of you are glad, come on, that we serve a God that is never out of control? <laughs> if you understand the character and the nature and the power and the authority of God, if he were to lose control, we would all just cease to exist. But we serve a God who is in control. He's not just in control of the big picture, he's in control of your story. He's the author and he's the finisher. He'll take the mess of your life and he'll turn it into the message of his salvation. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm fairly humbled that God's willing to, to deal with my mess at all, let alone to use it for his glory. So we see that from this genealogy. I think the, the last thing I'll point out to us is, is something that's a little bit below the surface that we may not easily be able to grasp, and that is this. Matthew's goal in writing this genealogy, um, we have four gospels in the New Testament. It's how the New Testament starts out, uh, the, latter the latter part of the Bible. We have four gospels included there. Um, we have Matthew, Mark, 
Luke, and John. And each one of these is written from a specific perspective to a specific type of people. And Matthew uh, wrote his, his gospel specifically to, to people of a, of a Jewish mindset, of a Hebrew mindset. And he was trying to prove to them that Jesus was qualified to be the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ. And so, so what he does is he ties him back. That's why he starts at Abraham. He's saying, look, he's a, he's a real legitimate Jewish dude. All the paintings you've ever seen that make Jesus look like he's Aryan, those are not at all Aryan blonde, not the Aryan that, that with no hair. The, all, all these pictures of Jesus, he, he, everyone I see him, he's blonde, he has blue eyes, and his hair's always feathered. I always wondered how he did that in the first century. I did, I mean, honestly, when I first got saved, I thought, well, that's how John the Baptist could spot him. In a sea of Jewish dudes, it's like, blonde guy, him, right there, Jesus, Bam. No, Jesus was a Jew. He probably looks like the kind of people that you get nervous about when they're on the airplane. That one's like, mm, do, 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 do. <laughs> talk about. He was, he was a Jewish guy. And Matthew's trying to prove that to him. He's like, he was, he was from the lineage of Abraham. That, that's, his, that's his great, 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 I haven't counted it all out to know exactly. Great, great grandfather. And then he, he traces that lineage to David because it was known in, uh, amongst all of Israel that, that you had to come from David if you were gonna be the Messiah. He's trying to prove that he is who he says he is. And what I want you to hear is this, he is who he says he is so you can trust him. You don't gotta worry. What we hear, he's fully in control and, and if we're honest, we can kind of take a step back for a minute and go, he's fully in control? Have you seen my life lately? You wanna tell me he's in control? Listen, he, he is fully in control and he is who he says he is and you can trust him. Am I saying that your life will always just be petunias and roses? I don't know why petunias, I'm not sure. Roses and chocolate and, and, and just wonderfulness all the time. No, I can't promise that. But I can promise you this, that he is in control and he is trustworthy. You can trust him, listen to me, you can trust him with your day-to-day -day life. You can trust him with your kids. I know it's hard. You can, you can trust him, come on, with your finances and, and you can trust him. And what does trust look like? Trust looks like obedience. When he calls you to do something, you can trust him. Be obedient, come on, he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. He, he, he is in control. He is who he says he is. You can trust him with your days, you can trust him with your kids, you can trust him with your family, you can, you can trust him with your life. Listen to me, you can trust him with the very essence of who you are. It took me, I'm, I'm just gonna be really honest, it took me years of walking with the Lord to realize I could just be really gut level honest with where I'm at with Jesus. I thought for so long that I had to pray in King James. Anybody else raised by, by some Christians and, and you got some jacked up views of some stuff growing up? I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not blaming churches I went to. I just, you just kind of, man, like religion is just easy to get stuck on you. And I thought I had to do all this and I thought I had to hide all these things and I thought I had to do all this and thought I had to jump through hoops and I thought I couldn't just be honest with Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you. You can trust him with your soul. You can trust him with where you're at. You can trust him with how you're doing and what you're thinking and where your emotions are at and, and how everything's going along. You can be gut level honest with Jesus because here's the deal. He already knows. I thought like if I didn't tell him, he didn't know. 
He knows. You can trust him. He's qualified. Because here's the thing. This is why I say you can trust him. He's not just capable or, or willing or, or even desirous for you to, to be honest with him. But hear me, please. He is capable and he is qualified to redeem that which you confess to him. So as, you're, as you open up your life, this is what I've experienced in my life, okay? As I've trusted him, as I've, as I've just said, okay, Lord, I'm just, gonna, I'm, just gonna be, I'm just gonna be obedient. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm just gonna get out of the boat. I'm just gonna leave the job, come on, in, in, in the Seattle area that pays our bills and, and I'm gonna uproot my kids out of their school and grab my family and throw us into a U-Haul plus some and drive us over to Spokane with no money and only a few people dumb enough to move here with us. And when I say no money, I don't mean like church planners. They say, we have no money, we only have like 50 grand. I mean no money like no money. <laughs> and we're gonna start a church. Why? Because Jesus told us to. That's dumb. <laughs> Capital D, dumb. But he, he, I'd learned he can be trusted. And he has provided every step of the way. When I remember when, when I had to trust him in, 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 in finance, I remember having to trust him with, man, Adoniah was born, and it wasn't 12 hours before she had her first seizure. And here I am holding my baby going, wait, what? No, Lord, you don't understand. We did everything right. We ate organic food. <laughs> Even I ate organic food. She, I didn't have anything to do with the baby at that point. And, and I still ate organic food. We were so weird. We were so weird. We're like, okay, if Ty's in the car, then the baby's in the car. And if the baby's in the car, then the baby can hear whatever musical listen to. So we only listen to Jesus music now. Any other weird parents like me? Like, because it'll corrupt her. <laughs> Somehow, we did everything right. And I'll, I'll never forget having to hold Adonai and go, okay, Lord, she's yours. She was never mine to begin with. Come on, most of you know the story. God healed her. She's been absolutely fantastic and, and, and God was, was extremely faithful and that he's trustworthy. You can trust him. You can trust him with your very soul. You don't have to Perform, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, your failures attracted Jesus. It's why he came. It's why he was born. It's why he entered into our story. So I wanna end with just a, a, a last thought. When I start studying out genealogies, the full nerd comes out in me. And I noticed something as I was studying this out. Matthew uses a, a unique phrase when he introduces the genealogy. He says, this is the generations of Jesus Christ. I thought that's a weird phrase, but it, it resonated somehow with me. I, I recognize that. Well, the only other place that that's used in the Bible is of Adam. And in Genesis chapter five, verse one, it says this is the book of the generations of Adam. In Matthew 1, 1, it says this is the book of the generations of Jesus Christ. So here's my, here's my question. Here's my, my final little thought for you to think about. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says that through Adam, everyone dies. If you're in Adam, you're dead. But if you're in, come on, if you're in Christ, 
you have life. It says, for as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Here, here's my question. Which, which book of generations are you in? Are you in the Adam book still? Are you still in the, I'm gonna substitute myself in the place of God? I'm gonna pick what's right. I'm gonna do what I want. Are you still under the deception that you can fix you? Are you still under the the misguided belief that you hold the capacity in yourself to pick for yourself right from wrong? Because I got news for you. Just like Adam, you were created by God. God created you. You have a creator. I don't care what you were taught in school. I don't care what you've come to believe. I don't, want, I don't care what kind of you know, doctorate, documentary you have in your own creation. God is the one who created you. But here's the problem. Somewhere along the way, in, in the earliest days, Satan specifically came to Adam and deceived him. Deceived him into thinking he could substitute himself in the place of God. And he's been doing the same thing day after day after day. So you inherit sin from Adam, but you also walk in sin on your very own, choosing for yourself that you can pick what's right and you can pick what's wrong, and your life will be better if you pick for yourself what's right and wrong. Well, I can act however I want. I can have whatever relationships I want. I can behave however I want to behave. doesn't matter. I pick for myself what is right and what is wrong. That's Adam. You're living in Adam. God created you, you were deceived, you're still deceived. You're living that way, I love you, I love you, but you are deceived, you're wrong. But here's the good news, here's where the news gets really good. God was not satisfied to leave you in the deception you were in. So you said, I'm gonna substitute God for man, and God said, I'm gonna substitute myself for man. You tried to put yourself in the place of God, God came down and he put himself in your place. He lived the life that you ought to live and he died the death that you ought to die so that now you can have redemption, so that you can move from being in Adam to being in Christ. So you can move from from thinking that you can do it your way, you can move and you can trust him. Come on, you can trust him. If Jesus is not who he says he is, we are of all people most to be pitied because we are still in our sin. We are still lost. And it's dangerous part, and why it's so dangerous is if we're wrong about Jesus, we've stopped looking. But if we're right, if he is who he says he is, and he is, then we have life, and life abundantly So I'm pleading with you, if you're still in Adam, if you still think you can do it, listen, maybe your sin isn't a a rebellious sin, it's a religious sin. You think, no, I can can perform well enough to be accepted by God. I love you. You are just as wrong. If you have never confessed and surrendered your life, you are just as wrong as the heroin addict living under a bridge. Oh, I tithe. Great. Thank you but that doesn't make you saved. That doesn't make you out of Adam and in Christ. Come on, this morning, I believe God wants to move some people from Adam into Christ, from working at yourself, whether it's religious or it's rebellious, and move you into redemption so that you can move into the book, into the generations of Jesus, not in the generations of Adam. Adam's way leads to death. Jesus, the Bible says, gives us the gift of life.